It takes years to know what you're going to want to use to finish a project. Does it need an orbital polisher? Or will good old elbow grease do the trick? But now that you're an expert, you're going to want a provider that knows how to serve an expert. You're going to want Worth. And you're going to want to visit Worth.ca. That's W-U-R-T-H dot C-A. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the July 8th, 2022 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is charged up about the EV revolution. He just wishes Canadian politicians shared in his excitement. He's lobbying on behalf of the Detroit 3 automakers for a better public charging network and for larger EV incentives. In fact, one triple the current $5,000 max. He's also fresh off a trip to Norway where he learned a thing or two about what works when it comes to convincing people to buy an electric vehicle. We'll hear all about it when I speak with the head of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, Brian Kingston, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Brian, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Great to be here. Always great to have you. Um, The Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association recently launched the EV Readiness Dashboard. Tell me about that. What is it? What do you hope to accomplish? Yeah, so we did this uh, along with CADA, the dealers, and and global automakers. And the reason that we launched this dashboard is we're trying to illustrate the incentive and charging gaps that we see across Canada that have to be addressed if EV adoption is going to keep pace with the targets the federal government has set. And we're seeing a huge amount of investment from auto manufacturers into electric vehicle technology and more and more vehicles coming into the market. But these barriers are well-known, well-documented. Survey after survey finds that Canadians are worried about the price of an EV. That's becoming even more of a concern given the inflationary environment that we're in. And they're worried about charging. Will they be able to charge their vehicle? Will this be convenient for them if they make the switch? So the dashboard is really meant to illustrate those gaps and provide really direction to governments on where they're going to need to invest to make sure that this transition works for everybody. Why do you think it is so difficult to convince governments of what seemingly needs to be done? Because you, I mean, I've been in this position for going on six years now, and you and I have been talking since you took your position years ago. And it seems like every survey, as you say, comes back with the same concerns by consumers. One, range anxiety, we need more chargers. Two, price gap, not enough incentives. And it's been that way for years. Why do you think it's been such a slow move to add both of those incentives and charging stations? You know, governments, they have done a lot. They put money into this. There's been money in the most recent budget for charging infrastructure. We do have incentives in some provinces. There's a $5,000 incentive at the federal level. But where this all falls apart is with the ambition and, and the messaging that we're getting from the federal government around the sales targets. They want to get to 100% EV sales by 2035. That is not very far off. And if that's going to happen, they're going to have to be much more ambitious in terms of the amount of funds they're going to put behind this and the speed of the infrastructure build out. So there's been work done already, but not nearly enough given the scale of this transformation. And that's really what the dashboard sets out to explain. We can make this happen. We're bringing the vehicles. 
but there needs to be a lot more work on on incentives and charging if every Canadian family is going to find a way to make this affordable and fit it into their lives. This is a question that just dawned on me as you and I were speaking. We know that gas is about $2 a litre. Let's call it that. I know Ontario has given us a tax holiday a little bit at the pumps, but it's essentially $2 a litre. Do you think that governments, both federally and provincially, are just going to let gas prices do the heavy lifting and force people into buying an electric vehicle? There's no doubt that the gas price increase has more people thinking about an EV and looking at making that purchase. But the reality is gas prices at higher levels will still not make up the gap in an ICE vehicle compared to an EV. And I'll just give you a couple of examples here. I mean, if you, if you look at median income right now in Canada, you're looking at about $56,000 a year. Yet, when you look at the price gap between a traditional gas-powered vehicle and an EV in, in multiple segments, but let's take the most popular segments in Canada, you're seeing a price gap of in excess of $20,000. Meanwhile, we've got inflation running at three decade highs. There aren't many Canadians that have the ability to go to a dealership and say, you know what, I've got an extra $20,000 that I'm willing to put into this transition. And that's where the incentive becomes so, so important. If you want to help someone make that switch, you've got to provide that incentive at a higher level so that when they go to make that purchase, it will actually make sense for their budget. And then combined with that, of course, if they can't put a charger in their home because let's say they live in an apartment building or they don't have a clearly accessible driveway to park in, they're going to need assistance with public charging infrastructure because they will have to charge on street or they'll have to go to an accessible charging station. And right now, we just don't have enough of those. So let's stick with the charging subject for a minute. You, the CVMA, your counterpart, the, the Global Automakers of Canada, who we talked about at the opening. You all say Canada needs 1.6 million public charging stations, but I want to know, does that number include charging stations owned and operated by third parties such as Flow or EVGo or any of the other number of charging network providers that are cropping up? And does that 1.6 million number account for or change because of a growth in private providers? Yes, it does. So it does account for that. And the way that we calculated that figure, really simple. What we did is we looked at the vehicle fleet across Canada using Statistics Canada vehicle registration figures. And then we just assumed, what if half of that fleet was electric? We didn't put a timeline on it. We just wanted to see half of that fleet is electric. How many public chargers will you need? And you can use different metrics to calculate that. California uses a seven to one, seven EVs on the road to one public charging station. Uh, the European Union uses a 10 to one ratio. There's different ratios out there. I would argue we need a more aggressive ratio in Canada because we have 1.1 million kilometers of public road. We've got cold weather, uh, which has an impact on, on battery life. We've got 20% of our population living in rural areas. So you're going to need a, a pretty aggressive build out of public charging infrastructure. So if you apply that ratio 
to an assumption that half the fleet becomes electric. That's where we come up with the 1.6 million chargers. And that includes the ones that already exist. We backed those out of the calculation. And frankly, if you look forward to a fully electrified fleet, so let's say we get to 2050 and we hit all these targets, there's going to be 39 million electric vehicles on the road. In that scenario, we're going to need about 4 million public chargers. So this is a big, big build out. And, and that's where the concern is. We just don't see a plan to get us there. Let's talk about that. No plan to get there. I'm curious. You represent the interests of the Detroit Three in Canada. You lobby various levels of government on their behalf. So what are those automakers telling you about the state of EV incentives, at least in Canada right now? I assume because of this push and the dashboard and you guys, you know, you commission surveys all the time about uh, interest in EVs. I would assume that you're doing this because the automakers can't be completely pleased with where Canada's at at this point, are they? No, and we're just not doing enough on incentives. And you you can compare Canada to multiple jurisdictions around the world. If you look at the top 20 countries in the world that have incentives in place, we, we don't even rank in the top 20. We're, we're below that with our $5,000 federal incentive. So it's just not enough. Now you can add in the provincial incentives, which is what we've done with the dashboard. We added in the provincial incentive. We stacked it on top of the federal incentive. And we compared that to the U.S., where there is a $7,500 income tax credit. And then we added California as a comparator because the federal government likes to compare itself to California on many of these types of policies. And we find that not a single province in Canada compares to the U.S., and that's a problem. If we're going to make these targets achievable, we need these incentives to be higher. We absolutely have to keep pace with the United States. And, and right now, $5,000, particularly given the inflation that we're seeing right now, it's just not enough. And it's not enough to convince your sort of median household in Canada to make this switch. We'll be right back after this short break. It takes years to know what you're going to want to use for certain projects. People used to tell you, you're going to want a foam gun, wash concentrate, and eco-aluminum wheel cleaner. Or, you're going to want a half-inch impact gun, air hose, and an impact socket. But now that you're an expert, you're going to want to go with a company that knows the best way to serve experts is with expertise. You're going to want Worth. And you're going to want to visit Worth.ca. That's W-U-R-T-H dot C-A. Welcome back to the podcast, where I'm speaking with the head of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, Brian Kingston. So what is the ideal size for a government incentive? And let's include provincial and federal in this. So, so at the end of the day, when I go in and I get all my money back or the automaker gets the, the money from the governments, how big should that total be or how big does it need to be to spur greater uptake of EVs in Canada? It all depends on how quickly the government wants to make this transition happen. The bigger the incentive, the quicker you're going to see people turn over from gas-powered vehicles to electric vehicles. Given the targets they've set, we're calling them on them to triple the incentive. So put away the federal-provincial breakdown. What that means is that you're going to need to give consumers around $15,000 in incentive 
to close that gap between an EV and a gas-powered vehicle and make that switch. That would be on par with what the U.S. was proposing. That obviously hasn't advanced right now, but those were the, the figures that were being put out there in the United States. And when you look at the, the provincial landscape, we have so few provinces with incentives in place right now. Around 60% of new vehicle sales in Canada take place in provinces that don't have an incentive at all. So $5,000 is what you got. That's not going to work. And that's where the federal government has to step in if they think these targets are achievable. So should the U.S. and Canada work more closely on harmonizing these incentives? Look, I know that, you know, the money's not collected and shared between the countries, but should they be looking at each other and working together to find out what that sweet spot is in North America, generally speaking? Is that even possible? It is, and we should be. And really, it's up to Canada to make sure that we track what the Americans are doing. This industry is totally integrated in North America. We've had aligned regulations and harmonization around environmental performance and safety really since the 1960s. And that's what's enabled Canada to have a competitive industry. As the U.S. transitions and goes down this path to electrification, we have got to keep pace with them. So at a very minimum, we've got to be matching what the Americans are doing on the incentive side. I would argue we should be doing the same thing when it comes to charging and making sure that on a per capita basis, we're matching the ratios that they're trying to achieve across the country. So, you know, we may not be able to work and develop the incentive together in a North American approach, but we can definitely watch what the Americans are doing and make sure that we match. So here in Ontario, which is always a sticking point when it comes to this, because we are the biggest retail market and the province used to have its own electric vehicle incentive and Doug Ford and the Conservatives scrapped that and he's back in for a second term. And Doug Ford essentially says, and I'm sort of paraphrasing here, that he's helping spur EV adoption by getting automakers to assemble EVs in Ontario, meaning or suggesting that good paying jobs in the auto industry will lead to those workers buying the EV products they make. Do you believe in that strategy? Will it work or does the province need to reinstate EV incentives? Well, first, the, the strategy has been very successful and full credit to the Ford government for all of the investment that we've seen into the province over the past couple of years. Ford General Motors Stellantis alone have announced over $13 billion of investment into the province. This is going to create 6,000 plus jobs. I mean, this, this is huge. It's a huge economic opportunity for Canada. That said, there are two sides to this equation. For these production mandates to be successful, we need people to buy electric vehicles. And as it stands right now, we're sitting at 5.6% of, of new vehicle registrations in Canada at electric. So there, there's two sides to the equation, and that's what we've been asking Ontario to really take a hard look at. I understand that you know they got rid of the incentive when they first came into power, but things have changed. We are now building these vehicles here. The government has a plan to build out a battery mineral supply chain with their critical mineral strategy. That's potentially a generational economic opportunity if we can seize it quickly. And you can't be successful if we don't have the supports there for Ontarians to make that switch. And so if the premier were on this interview with us or sitting at a table with us or on this call with us, what would you tell Doug Ford if he were with us today 
when it comes to EVs and incentives? Well, I tell the premier, first of all, congratulations on all of the, <laughs> the success that he's had. And then I would point to the fact that Ontario is lagging when it comes to EV adoption. And that is directly correlated with an incentive. When Ontario did have an incentive, we saw an immediate spike in electric vehicle sales. The second that was pulled out of the market, it declined. And if you look at other provinces like Quebec that have put a very, very competitive incentive into the market, you see an immediate uptake in electric vehicle sales. So I would tell the premier that, look, this, this transition depends on the consumer coming along for the ride. And the best way to do that is to incentivize them into an electric vehicle. And now I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit because this is really a federal liberal goal of greening us further than we are at the moment. They want more electric vehicles on the road. So if I'm a conservative premier in a conservative province at this time, whether it's here or on the prairies, doesn't the responsibility really lie with the federal government to get people to buy these things if it's a federal goal? It's a great question. And, and you're absolutely right. As the federal government sets these targets and is now going so far as to want to actually mandate EV sales, they're taking ownership of this. It is on the federal government to make sure that there is an adequate charging infrastructure network. And then they're putting an incentive out there that is going to work across the country. That said, Ontario has a big stake in this, given the EV manufacturing mandates that have been secured into the province. And I understand that, you know, sometimes there's a, a, a bit of a hesitation with direct consumer incentives from some conservative politicians, but there's other ways to do it. Look at the U.S. model where it's an income tax credit. You can also incentivize people with a range of other policies, like giving them access to high occupancy lanes and providing free parking, working with municipalities, you can do a whole range of activities that make this a no-brainer for a consumer. And I think there's scope for Ontario to think about that and perhaps adopt some of those policies. But yeah, if I'm Ontario, I'd, I would also be asking the federal government to, uh, to make sure they've got a real plan here, given they're the ones setting the targets. You sound like you've researched all kinds of other places. And I know for a fact you were just in Norway and you spent time at the Electric Vehicle Symposium and Exhibition there in Oslo. What did you learn and what was your biggest takeaway? I, I, I'm almost afraid to ask that. Were you disappointed in sort of how Canada stacks up against the rest of the world? Because you would have seen all kinds of incentives and charging plans and all kinds of stuff from other countries. What was your biggest takeaway? Well, I've got three takeaways. Okay. <laughs> and and really what it comes down to is this. First of all, Norway, they've just hit 80% uh, sales are electric of all new vehicle sales. And that translates to about 18% of the vehicles on the road. The fleet is electric now. So they're, they're far and ahead of, of any other country or jurisdiction. But the very first thing that they recognized from the beginning when they wanted to make this transition happen was that nothing else matters if consumers can't afford EVs. That is key. It seems self-evident, but we don't seem to have wrapped our head around that here in North America. So Norway has unveiled a massive suite of incentives, everything from tax reductions through to 
parking and free ferry tolls and you name it, anything that they could do, they put it into the market and they made sure that it was a no brainer for a consumer when they made a purchase. So that's number one. And, and we have a lot to learn from them on that. Secondly, charging infrastructure. It has to be abundant and it has to be convenient. They've targeted a charging station for every 50 kilometers of highway. You can't look anywhere in Norway without seeing a charging station. And even then, they still have challenges. There are challenges with stations being down, uh, stations not operating 24-7. And as more and more vehicles on the road become electric, there still can be challenges finding convenient charging infrastructure. So they've come a long way, but more to do there. And then the last point is really just the, the scale of the economic opportunities. There are a number of companies, particularly in the battery space, that are looking for critical minerals. And Canada stands out as a real jurisdiction to do that. So I think if we get our if we get our policy framework right, Canada can be a location of choice for that type of investment. And this would be generational for the Canadian economy. Brian, I don't disagree with you there. Always uh, great to have you on the program. Full of insight, lots of information. Uh, I'm glad you brought it all to the show after uh, you're, you're gallivanting around the world and gathering up all this information. I thank you for that. Thanks for having me on. It's always great to chat. I want to thank Brian for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.